housekeeping, the field of housekeeping. I got my first housekeeping job when I was 16 years old cleaning condos at a ski resort. That industry has changed my life. Welcome to the Fueling Deals Podcast, the podcast that teaches how to accelerate your business growth through all types of deals. It's time to fuel up, so buckle in with your host, Corey Kupfer. There are only two ways to grow your business, organically through sales, marketing, and providing great products and services, and inorganically through deals. Too many companies focus only on the first way, organic growth. Welcome to the podcast, which will help accelerate your business growth inorganically. My guests are a huge variety of deal makers and experts on all types of deals who have personal experience that can help you grow, get clear, learn best practices, and avoid mistakes. We discuss everything from large complex mergers and acquisitions to smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. My guest today is Ralph Peterson. Uneducated, unskilled, but unwilling to give up, Ralph Peterson quit high school at the age of 16 when he was told he was a hands-on learner and destined for a manual labor job. After working for one in eight years as a laborer at a construction company, Ralph knew he was capable of more. At the ripe old age of 24, he quit his job and returned to school. He's earned a GED, and more than 20 years later, Ralph has an associate's, two bachelors, and a master's degree. Today, Ralph is a successful entrepreneur, owning and operating a management development and consulting company. He's an internationally syndicated columnist, author of three books, professional speaker, and advocate for adult basic education. And what's not in his bio is that Ralph is also a Ironman triathlete. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was joking with him that whenever I see him, I, I see pictures of him mainly running in really cold places. Uh, so, Ralph, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I love that intro. You do that whole intro over again. It's a, this is your life. I love it. <laughs> I love it. So, uh, be, before we delve into some of the things that are in that intro and what you're doing now, I actually want to take you back. We heard, we heard what happened from 16 on. But I actually want to take you back even earlier than that and ask, when you were a little kid growing up, what was, the, what was it that you wanted to be? I always wanted to be a writer, actually. I always wanted to tell stories. I love telling stories. And from the age of eight, I declared I was going to be a writer. And my grandmother, bless her heart, was like, of course you can be a writer. You know, like she was really the only one who believed in me. When I was <laughs> I, it's always great to have somebody that, that that believes in you, no matter what you what what you say, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's awesome. So, uh, what was the first real business you started? However, you define that. Uh, selling baseball cards actually was my first business. I was. 13, 14 years old. And I was, I went to a, a mall and it was the first time I had actually seen like, there was like a show where people were had all these tables in the middle of the mall and you were buying and selling baseball cards. And I started, of course, I just went there to spend every dime I had ever earned because I wanted all these cool baseball cards. And it, somebody said, you know, do you have this card? Because I'll buy it from you. And all of a sudden, I made my first transaction for somebody paid me. And I was like, wait a minute, you can do this? And, and I started my first company called Collectibles for Kids. Oh, <laughs> I love it. It's a great yeah. name. Yeah. And uh, I, would do, I would do the malls. I would go to malls. And I learned, I got to tell you, I learned things that you would not think you would learn as a kid being an entrepreneur. I learned about theft. 
I had a bunch of people stealing my baseball cards. I learned about displays, how to set up displays, how to position your cards so you weren't used because you always had to have your eyes on them. I didn't know that. I mean, people were, other kids were stealing my cards because I didn't know that I was supposed, I thought people were trustworthy. I had no (laughs) idea. Oh, that people so, would be swiping. Yeah. I learned so much just by working them all circuit with baseball coach. I love it. I love it. That's so great. So um, give us a, you know, just in terms of what your company does now at a high level, uh, just g- give us uh, give the audience an idea of what you, what you do after this whole journey you had, you know, it said management consulting in your, in your bio. Tell us what you do. I am actually a teacher. So if we broke it down to the basic level, I teach people how to manage systems better. I work specifically in long-term care and even more specifically in the ancillary department. So I work in housekeeping, laundry, maintenance, dining, and I am a process expert. So I go in and I take a process and we we break it down to its finest elements and we fix, correct, teach, and oversee. So really what I do is I, I teach people how to manage a process and then I get paid on an ongoing basis to continually follow up and ensure. So it's that piece. That's the management piece. It's the teach and then ensure the oversight. Uh, so that's great. So in terms of deals, you know, obviously, you know, this uh, the, uh, is the Fueling Deals podcast. Our listeners are interested in how to do deals to grow their business own organically. And we really talk about, I mean, the full range of deals, all kinds of deals. So talk to me a little, a little bit about some of the kinds of deals that you've done uh, in your business life. Deals are, well, let me, let me back up and let me tell you this. I'll tell you a quick story about how I even went out on my own, how I, because I worked for a company for 13 years doing, doing sales. So I was really in the sales business of selling a management service. So people would it'd be like a turnkey kind of management service for long-term care. And I wanted to be a professional speaker. Again, I love telling stories. I love being in front of the group. And so I really was trying to, trying to break out into speaking while making that speaking work for me in my own business. And it happened that I was speaking, I went, I spoke for a group a few times and they never had a lot of money. And then one day the the person who puts on the event, the program chair, she called and said that she had a speaker back out and wanted to know if I would do it, but there was absolutely zero money. So there was no opportunity, there was no money, but she would make it up for me in the in the future. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. It's not that big of a deal. I'll go do it. And I did a seminar called housekeeping as a business. And I broke down the process of housekeeping, like right down to its final, like the, the, the cost, how to, how to staff it, how to pay the, everything about it. At the end of the seminar, this free seminar I was giving, a guy in the back was trying to take video with his phone. The entire time he's trying to take my video, take, trying to take video with the phone. I don't care. But at the end of it, he, he comes up to me and he says, I've been trying to take your video, trying to, he's like, you must sell this as a video. I said, you don't need it as a video. You should just hire me. And he said, are you serious? Would you be considered, would you think about doing this as a consultant basis? I turned that free speech into my own business with that first, with that one meeting. So for those of you who are like, I don't want to speak for free. It pays sometimes. I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> And, and so from there, what have you done uh, to continue to grow your business? What have you uh, either done in terms of your, of your own deals or seen uh, you know, clients in your industry do to grow through deals? So there is, there's, I've really niched myself. I have solved the problem that 
people have on either side of this of this realm. So understand that my the business that I'm in, there's there's two competing businesses, business models that I deal with. One competing model is a company that we're talking about for housekeeping, laundry, maintenance, and dietary in long-term care. One business model, one business will come in and they will take over every aspect of it. They'll, they'll take over all your staff. They'll take over all your purchasing, all your training, all your oversight, the management responsibilities. They will literally, for one specific price a month, they'll take over the entire department for you. On the very other end of that business model, there's another company that offers similar services, except they don't want to own any part of your staff. And generally, they don't own any part of your supply train either. In other words, the only thing that they want to provide for you is a manager and the oversight. So they'll pay the manager and they'll provide oversight, but they don't want to pay your staff and they don't want to buy your supplies. So those are the two competitors. One, they buy everything and the other don't buy anything, but they both provide the management training and the oversight. So so let's let's stop there for a second. So the first model is an, basically an outsourced right model. You're Absolutely outsourcing both, everything yeah. to them, right? Yep. And, then, and then on the other one, you're it's also outsourced, but you're only outsourcing small aspects, you know, the management aspect, whatever. Management, yep. But but you but you're not outsourcing the rest of your employees. You still have those. Okay, that's got right. It. Yeah. In the middle, in the middle, I have found that for a variety of reasons, there are nursing home companies and owners and administrators who would love to have the be able to hire the expert, have them come in and develop a program for that specific facility. But they, for one reason or another, cannot give you either one of those elements. They can't give you the staff they can't, or they can't give you the manager. Or sometimes they can't give you any of it. They, they'd rather just, will you just come in and show me how to do it? And so that's how I started. I was like, yes, I will be the guy. I'll fill that middle road. I'll come in and I don't, I'm not going to buy, I'm not going to take over anything. I will just come show you how to do it. I'll write a plan for you a job routine, a basic program for you right down the middle that you can own, take and keep and take and walk away. You don't have to do business with me again. I'll be there for three months. And that was my business model for a while that I was only in for three months and then I would leave. So 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 that's a consulting. So we're not outsourcing here. We're doing a deal to provide consulting and training. That's right. That's right. I had, I had a little ace in my pocket and the ace in my pocket is I knew that once I left in three months, everybody would stop doing the program. It's simply without the oversight piece. It doesn't matter if it's the greatest program ever. It could be the, it could be a program that saves people's lives. If there's no people, there's if there's nobody overseeing the people doing it, they will stop doing it. It's just the way it is. So I knew that. So I knew that to get in, I'd have to go in for three months. I'd write the program and I would hand it off to them. And then I would follow back up. A couple of months later, I would go, what I'd walk the building with the owner. I'd say, how is everything? And we'd find what I knew it was going to find. None of the systems were in place. The money that they saved, they're spending again. The staffing hours that they adjusted, they got back. None of the routines. The building wasn't looking well. The food wasn't presenting well. And I'd go, you know, I do offer another service. And that other service is the oversight piece. So I still don't own any staff. I still don't own a management piece. I'm still not going to buy your supplies. But in addition to getting my program, you get me on a monthly basis to oversee and insure. And that is how I've made my business to be sustainable. Got it. And let's talk about that model uh, because is that a model that currently uh, relies upon you personally? Is there, is there ways you look at a scale that? I, obviously, a lot of 
uh, people who are consultants uh, who do in various industries that do what you do, and certainly uh, those of us who are speakers as well, you know, are often looking at how we can put some of this, uh, you know, online, how we can duplicate it, how we can scale it. What, uh, tell me what you're doing and what you may be looking to do in the future. Absolutely. So when I first started, it was all me and only me. I was doing everything myself. And I was literally flying to the facilities. Facilities are not near my house. I literally have to drive six or seven hours or fly to them. So they are far away and it, it is costly. But I just expanded and I just got a bunch more facilities. I just got, was able to negotiate with the same client I had who had other facilities that I wasn't working in. And we just kept, I just kept, you know, every month I would share with him the financials. I would say, this is where we started. This is where we are showing all the positives that we're creating so that when he had these new facilities coming on, I would say, you know, if you'd like me to take a look at them, if you'd like, and that's how I've grown my business. Of course, I've grown it to a point where I would either have to move to the facilities or I have to hire somebody. And I did just hire a director of operations. And so now I can triple, double my business without much problem now because I do have that uh, the backup support, which is the director of ops now. So that's great. So that's a hire. And listen, some people, you know, I, I, I consider, uh, you know, it, there's always a question about how you define a deal, right? Um, and some people say, oh, I just, you know, you just hired somebody. But, but for me, you know, it's, you actually, you know, that's the kind of deal, right? You know, you, this is an important person. This is a strategic person in your growth. Um, and uh, I'm sure you, you know, you thought about, uh, who you need there and what type of incentives that person needs to have and what the comp plan should be. And, you know, so, you know, you're structuring a mini deal with that person. A million percent. And we had been talking, this, this gentleman and I, we've been talking for months and I, cause I have seen the writing on the wall that if I keep doing what I'm doing, I'm, there's no chance I can't do, I can do it by myself. I have to bring, it makes sense for me to bring somebody else into this. And so there was a gentleman that I worked with in the past and I know him really well and I trust him and we have been talking and talking and negotiating. And, you know, quite frankly, I think one of the funnest parts of this whole process was coming up with a benefit package, but, you know, like what am I going to offer him as, as far as beyond the pay? And I, I'm just starting out. He's my first real, you know, full-time employee. I, He's super expensive to begin with. I don't have a lot of money, so I can't buy him a lot of things. But because he's salary, I certainly can talk about sick days. I could talk about personal days. I can talk about vacation days. And as I was thinking about those things, I was thinking about Netflix and Google and all these, these new companies, you know, Apple and Microsoft, and how they approach benefit time for their upper people and the whole idea that there's no cap on vacation and there's no set rules on sick time or, or, or personal days. If you need it, take it. Let's just have the conversation, you know, be, be smart. I was like, that's the kind of employer I want to be. And so it was really fun to call him and give him minimums instead of maximums. It was really nice to say, you know, I think it's appropriate that we at least schedule out two weeks a year for vacation. I mean, if you want three or four, it's fine. But let's just con- you know, have a conversation about it in, in advance so we can plan it. But you have to at least take two. And so he says, well, how many do I get? Like, well, you get at least two. Well, what does at least two mean? It means I really want you to take two. But if you want to take three, go ahead. Four, I don't care. But we just have to be smart about it. And, you know, so I love the idea of being, able, being in that position to negotiate 
you know, I think it's, I'm just proud of myself, to be honest. I think it's pretty great. No, I love it. And, and um, one of the things that's uh, exciting to, uh, uh, you know, of having you on the podcast, other than the fact that, you know, I, I always, we always have a good time when we hang out and you're always interesting, um, is that uh, my intention of this podcast is to really have a wide variety of entrepreneurs and experts on all stages of their businesses. So, you know, we have some people on, on who are doing major, huge mergers and acquisition deals, et cetera. But there are so many people out there that are, and listen, you have, you're running a successful business. It's just, it's just uh, uh, you know, uh, smaller and earlier stage than, than some others and, and more dependent upon you. And so many business owners are, in fact, the majority of businesses are more like that than my big clients that are doing big M&A deals. Um, so to start thinking at that stage on what types of deals you could do to help your business grow going forward, and whether it's bringing in talent, whether it's, you know, down the line, some other kind of strategic alliance or joint venture or, you know, uh, um, other arrangement that you may be doing is exciting. So I'm wondering if you've thought through, you know, because obviously you anticipated, you, you said you were thinking for a while, you knew you would need a person like this. I knew so, I was going to get, I knew I was going to be able to expand with my current client. I, I knew that I was going to get more facilities with him, right? more opportunity. And, and I knew that I needed to be able to handle it. And so the only way to handle it well, there's two ways, two ways of going about it. The two things that I did, one was hire him. And the other is I have started to go and do an awful lot more online. So we're doing, you know, weekly webinars with their clients. We're, we're, I'm trying to make it so that I travel less and do more. Yeah. And so it's, it, it, so it's scalable. So it's scalable. So- so on the webinars, are you, uh, do you have any partner in that? Or are you, or are you doing that in-house basically with some tech, you know? Uh, yeah, just uh, me. Okay. Just That's me. Right. I, they, so I, I offer two different product lines when it comes to education. So I talked about the housekeeping and the, over, and the laundry and the dietary, the oversight piece, which is a big component of my business. But another part of my business that is really, really taken off right now, organically, by the way, it's really just a you go, you speak about something and then you're getting one or two nursing homes that get on board. And I've just really been growing. And that is the whole systems and process breakdown for nursing. And so that is going to be good 75% online, which we can do. Whereas the housekeeping laundry, that kind of oversight, that really does require boots on the ground in the facility, checking stuff out, meeting with staff, handling problems. With the strict education of processes, we can do that. I can do that a lot more with teams virtually. And that's that's exciting. Love it. So that's going to be a different type of deal with your client or clients uh, uh, because obviously it's a, it's a different arrangement when you're coming in and doing on-site consulting and, and management and oversight that, than when you're probably sending somebody to an online portal, an education portal or whatever, and they get access, you know, by users and that kind of stuff, right? It, it, it kind of is. It actually, the model, the, the business model is the same as in from the revenue point of view, it is a monthly fee, just like my current revenue model. It is touch points with me on a weekly basis, which is the same and in touch points on a monthly basis. The only difference is with the housekeeping, laundry, and dietary, I'm in the facility or one of my, my guy is in the facility. Whereas on the quality assurance piece, I can do most of it virtually. It's it's still the same amount of time, the same amount of touch points, the same same business model, just not me not having to be physically in the facility. 
I got totally got it. So I'm curious because you know the way my mind works when I when I work with entrepreneurs is why I love working with entrepreneurs. Uh, you know, people say to me, "Hey, you know, who's your ideal client? Is it you know huge companies? Is it small companies?" And I'm always like, "Listen, uh, size is less important to me than the f- like growing companies of any size. People have a vision. People are looking to grow. So even if they're small or you know they're very large, it, you know, I'd rather work with a small company looking to grow than a large company that's totally stagnant." Um, and uh, because growth companies is really where, you know, I, I provide value. So I'm always interested in working with entrepreneurs to look at what their growth plans are and the different models and the different kind of deals they can do to grow. So, you know, I'm curious because, uh, so for example, uh, you know, there are deals that you could do to do train the trainer models, right? Where you could provide this content online and then train people to try to handle it in-house. But you haven't gone that way so far. Uh, you know, some, I might be curious to ask why or whether you might do that in the future. There are, there are obviously other people who have different models and other people that do maybe not exactly, but similar things would you do down the line, you could potentially merge, acquire, et cetera. You know, have you considered that, uh, why away would you not do that kind of deal? Uh, and then, uh, you know, there, I'm sure there are other possibilities in terms of strategic alliances or joint ventures or other kind of deals that you know better in your industry than I do that you may be considering or, or have ruled out. So I'd love to hear, uh, you know, whether you've considered some of these various types of deals in the future and what you've ruled out and why and what might be on the horizon. So that's a super great question. I really actually appreciate the question because it helps me just continue to articulate in my head because the first thing that you were talking about is what's your favorite client? And like, do you want to do with a bigger one or a smaller one? I want to, I want to work with clients who are, motivated and they're they're passionate and they're they want to get better i work with some i did work with some that would drain the life out of me and i'm working for myself and i'm working you know 14 16 hours a day seven days a week and i'm like why do i have them as a client you know they (laughs) if i'm doing more work in your nursing home than you are that's a challenge right so it's like I don't, I don't like that. So for me, it's really not about the size of the company. It's the intention of the company. It's the motivation of the company. Like you were saying, like you're interested in growth companies, me too, but I don't care about whether or not they're going to like rule the world tomorrow. I want to make sure that they're taking care of the, we're providing the best care for our residents. I mean, that's really what gets me all jazzed up. The second part of your question, which I find the most in, in my intro, as you alluded to, Everybody has a charity, right? So some people have a, their charity is the Humane Society. Some people it's the firefighters. Other people it's the, the military. Mine is adult basic education. It is that person right now who, for whatever reason, didn't finish high school, or even if you did finish high school, but you never went anywhere else and you just work in some menial construction job and it's five, six years out of high school, you're 24, 25 years old, which is where I found myself. And you're just simply going, come on, there's got to be more for me than this. That is really what gets me excited about being able to reach those people. And housekeeping the field of housekeeping, I got my first housekeeping job and I was 16 years old cleaning condos at a ski resort. That industry has changed my life. It has given me every opportunity I have. I live in New York City. I mean, let's not get crazy, right? Like I'm I'm doing pretty well for a housekeeper, which is how I always saw myself. And I saw myself as a housekeeper negatively until I finally figured out that being a housekeeper was a very positive thing. And so where am I going with this story? I am 
in the process of building a business model where I will teach other young entrepreneurs how to run their own, start and run their own housekeeping business. Whether it's cleaning houses, cleaning banks, cleaning schools, stadiums, nursing homes, hospitals, it is a workable business model that you really can learn. It's almost as easy as the lemonade stand kind of model. It just has a little more, you know, a few more pieces and parts to it. But if you have a vehicle and a vacuum and you have a little bit of intent, I can show you how to get up and running in no time and start being your own boss, making your own money, running your own housekeeping company. That's really gets me excited. I love that. And, and is, is, so is your intention on that to have some sort of business model and have a deal with these people is, I know, uh, you know, is any of it, uh, you know, is there any nonprofit, you know, uh, a piece of that? What, what, what is, uh, what's the deal in business model going to look around, uh, you know, around doing that? It'll be two things. One is imagine it as a three part, three part, which is basically, again, all of these business models that I have in my head, kind of cookie cutter, they fit the same way. It's just because it's my model. So one part is education. The other part is support. And then the, the, the third part, which we haven't really talked about, is books and, and literature and podcasts and that kind of thing. So there will be that takeaway piece. If you want to just buy my books and read them and use them as references, God bless you, right? That's, that's great. But the first part is the education piece. So offering the seminars, the webinars, the even just the, the video series, if you could just buy, imagine just purchasing a video series that'll walk you through all the steps on how to start your own housekeeping business. And then the second part is you can use my program. I have a program written specifically for long-term care. I have a program specifically written for, for hotels. I have a program specifically written for, for cleaning houses. I've worked in all three industries cleaning. And so you can purchase any of those. And then it's just a monthly fee to use my program. Love it. And it's interesting, you know, I, I love, I almost feel like uh, we're in a brainstorming session here about the- We are in a brainstorm. That's why I said I love the articulation piece of it. So, so, so it's great because this is, this is what, one of the things I love to do as well. So one of the things I'm thinking about is, okay, so I go to, uh, because again, one of the premises of this podcast is that people, organic growth is great. Trust me, you need to be great at organic growth. You need to do great work for people. You need to get referrals. You need to do what I think on a promotion to you. I'm not anti-organic growth. I just think people, sometimes that's all they focus on. They bang their heads against the wall on it. So I'm always looking at alternatives. So I'm thinking here, okay, so Ralph Peterson's going to do this. I'm like, okay, how is he going to get to these people? Sure, he can do uh, direct sales and walking, et cetera. But what kind of affiliate deals can he do, right? Who else cares about this market, has access to this market? And who can he do a strategic alliance or affiliate deal with you know, to get to get access to this market, right? It could be anything from uh, companies that provide cleaning supplies to uh, companies that, um, uh, that that have an interest uh, or organizations that have an interest in in, in training folk, uh, you know, in, re- in retraining folk and whatever. So, yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, let's let's keep this brainstorm going. I'm I'm, I'm loving this uh, this format because I think it helps our listeners to start brainstorming about their own opportunities and their own businesses as well. Absolutely, and there are. There are a lot of companies out there. There's the International Executive Housekeepers Association, for example. That's really how I got into professional housekeeping was by joining the International Executive Housekeepers Association. There's the ISSA, which is a which is a like a there ISSA is the largest organization that brings together everybody in the cleaning industry from your suppliers of products and 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 you know like your 
chemicals in your machines to the people who pr provide the services and the maintenance to those machines to people who own housekeeping companies and directors all over the all over the world. And so there are organizations, to your point, that do provide an opportunity for me to reach out. But on the other side, too, there, I have been approached by a couple of other existing housekeeping companies that work in my same field and they don't have a strong enough, they don't have enough knowledge and enough experience in creating programs of their own. And so I've been approached by, by a couple of companies asking if I would go in and write their policies and procedures for them. And I've been very standoffish. So I, I haven't quite figured that out in my head on whether or not that's something I want to do because they kind of feel like they feel to me like they want to just come in, take everything that I know, and then leave me standing here with nothing. And they just go and build their empire, which is fine, which is fine. I'm just not haven't quite figured out what my price tag would be for you to just take my stuff and go. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting, Ralph, because I just uh, recorded another podcast. Uh, so listeners can look out for the podcast with, uh, with Marianne Buchanan when it comes out where we talked about a concept called white labeling, which is the kind of deal that you, you can do. Uh, and it's always that, you know, that challenge, right? Like it's that business decision, right? Because often you're white labeling either for, it could be for competitors or it could be for um, other markets that are not directly competitive, but maybe they siphon off from your core business, right? So the question is, hey, do I do that? Do I help someone else with what I have my expertise? Uh, and then, uh, you know, or do I, you know, do I not? And if I do it, you know, and they want to own it and brand it, whatever, that's could be like a white label deal where I'm providing the back end of it for them. Uh, or it could just be a consulting deal. Um, and it's an interesting business decision. And then obviously you raise the, the corresponding pricing decision. Hey, if I'm willing to do that, you know, what is it, what makes it worth my while? So that's an interesting uh, thinking on deals. Uh, and then the other thing that came up in what you said was, you know, with these industry associations is, um, you know, that is a good, a great place. Listen, I always say to people, I do conferences differently, differently than I used to in the old days. Uh, you know, uh, when I first started to go to conferences, I would go to every educational session because I didn't want to miss out on, you know, on all the great knowledge that the speakers were giving. And first of all, when you go to more and more conferences, uh, you know, you, you tend to, there's only so much that's new in the, in the world. <laughs> uh, but also, but also the, the real, the, you know, the realization that, if I get a hundred things, if, if, if I'm able to implement, really implement three of them, I've done well. So why don't I go get the three, uh, you know, so, you know, maybe you get 10 things and implement uh, three instead of spending time in all the summers to get a hundred and spend the rest of the time in the hallways and over lunch and whatever, meeting with key strategic partners, industry people, people who have knowledge and potentially finding information or deal partners, you know, uh, in the hallways, so to speak. Yeah, and you can't you can't speak enough about the power of the stage, right? I mean, I'd much rather be the one on the stage than the one in the booth. That's right. That's totally right. That's totally right. <laughs> no question about it. So, um, yeah, so that uh, you know that sort of competitor white labeling thing. It's interesting that you're you know that you've had those opportunities and you and you're sort of making the business decision on whether and if so how you want to approach that. Exactly. It's a challenge. It's a challenge, and I only have so much energy to put into this. I have a real passion for running and taking care of myself. And I spend hours running <laughs> hours a day. I, I do a lot of it. And, and I spend a lot of time reading and a lot of time writing. And I just, I'm super passionate about all of those things. And so 
I had, like I was saying, this one guy came up and he's really, really interested. They, they own a housekeeping company that they purchased. And so they purchased it. It was already up and running and they just don't have all the pieces and parts to, to get it any better. And, you know, on one hand, I'm excited over being asked. I'm excited over saying, oh, my gosh, let me see how I can jump in, how I can make this help. How I can work. At the other time, I'm like, I don't know, do I want to give up the a little bit of time I have to help them grow their business when I should be spending all the time growing mine? Yeah, so that's great. And, you know, to, to, to sort of bring that out to a more macro lesson, what I hear is that when deal opportunities come along, one of the things that uh, I, you're alluding to that's really smart is to say, hey, you know, it, listen, as entrepreneurs, we're always, you know, we're opportunity junkies, right? Our first thing is, you know, million percent. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. oh, there's another client. So there's, there's a, I, I can, <laughs> whatever. And, you know, yeah, and it's the opportunity to make money. But it's also the opportunity, right, to build something. It's the challenge. It's all those things that motivate us as entrepreneurs. And, um, and it's easy to go for, you know, the, the shiny penny, so to speak, and to take that step back and say, okay, hold on a second. Uh, I became an entrepreneur to build a business and have the kind of life I want. Um, you know, one, is this the highest, best use of my time? Can I, can I be le- more leveraging my time and energy and resources elsewhere? And two, how will this impact my business and my life? You know, if it's going to stop Ralph Peterson from running, you're not going to do it, right? Not going to do it. That's right. Not going to do it. Yeah. You know, I, I, Hey man, I hope the client that you gave you, that gave you, you know, more of their locations has some of them in warm weather, because I, I know, <laughs> I know that there's a big concentration of, of, of where you go is, is North of New York. And, uh, and, uh, for a good part of the year, I see you running and all bundled up with snow around you. So I hope that a Florida location or, or something. <laughs> I got to tell you, honestly, though, running in the cold, is just makes me tougher. I feel, I gotta tell you, I feel, I feel so strong and so dedicated and so powerful when I wake up in the morning because I don't pay attention to the news. I don't check the weather. I don't see what's gonna be like tomorrow. I don't want any excuses. I wake up in the morning, I look outside and go, a jacket or no jacket? Goggles or no goggles? Gloves or no gloves? That's it. I still want to get out there and run. I love adverse weather. I love it. I, and, and you can tell when you see your content online that you definitely do. <laughs> and, and by the way, folks, I, I, want, I want the listeners to understand, we're not talking about, he's not going out and, ru- and running a mile or two or three. No. Okay. What, what, what do you run on an average day? How many miles do you do a week? I do about 60 miles a week okay. and I run a marathon every month. You hear that? A marathon a month, 60 a week. So, and, and you know, so yeah, so we're not talking about, um, you know, listen, Rob, one of the things I love about you is that, you know, and it shows in your story and whatever, you know, it's not like nobody handed you anything. You, you know, you didn't, you know, you just, you just fucked up at some point and, and got this drive to get educated. You got this drive to become a, tri- you know, to a runner and then a, and then a triathlete and then an Ironman. Um, and, you know, that fortitude is one of the things I, I actually love about working with entrepreneurs. I appreciate that. It's, um, it's intoxicating, right? The more, the more people you hang out with like that. I know there's a guy named Keith O'Malley, and he's a comedian. He has his own – he has a podcast called Keith and a Girl. But I remember years ago when I was listening to his podcast, he was getting ready to do a comedy stand-up special. And it turns out he records a brand-new comedy album Every year in April on his birthday, every year, think about putting out that kind of content. Every year, he's going to make an album 
Like imagine every year you're going to write a book. Every year you're going to write three books, whatever. Hanging out or being exposed to that kind of a person, the person that doesn't just talk, doesn't just dream. I know I used to be the type of person that, oh my gosh, you would have told you hear the stories about how wonderful I'm going to be one day until I finally said, all right, stop talking and let's start doing. And you start hanging out with people who don't talk and do, oh my God, it's intoxicating. It's addicting. It's, you, you want to hang out with those people. So if you are hanging out with people who are talking and not doing, uh, you know, peace and love, push them aside a little bit and right. find and hang out with people who are doers. Uh, listen, I, I agree with that. And listen, it, it's, it's bad enough when you're hanging out with people who are just dreamers and talking about good stuff and, and, and then not doing it. But certainly if you're hanging out with people who are negative and complaining all the time, whatever, I mean, I do believe you know, it's become cliche at this point, but I really do believe in that Jim Rome quote about that you're the average of the five people you hang out with most. Million percent. Oh my gosh. And, and I think, I don't know if it was Jim Rohn or maybe even Zig Ziglar who says that the, the money you make is dependent on the five people you hang out That's right. With. That's right. That's right. That's a variation of that. So, so Ralph, we're, we're coming to the, towards the end here. I just have, I'm going to have another question for you, but uh, before I uh, do my final question, uh, I, I love uh, to make sure that people know where to reach you and listen, we haven't, uh, and please plug some of your books because uh, he, Ralph's got a few books out and they're on disparate topics. One is directly related to his most recent one, uh, you know, to the management consulting he does. And it's got, it's got one of the most fun covers I've ever seen. Uh, you know, I, 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 you've noticed that Ralph likes to talk and he's told you that he tells stories. Well, let's just say that uh, he's got tape on his mouth. So <laughs> that one. <laughs> so uh, yeah, just tell us about, you know, wh where people can find you, find your stuff and, and a little bit about your, about your books. Yeah, the best the best place to find me is at my website, ralphpeterson.com. But if you looked up, try to find me on, on any social media, it's ralphpeterson08 and 08 is literally just my favorite number. And it's because when I was seven, all my friends were eight and I wanted to be eight. <laughs> it's the truest, it's the truest and it's the stupidest because people will go, did you want to be nine? No, I didn't. I always just wanted to be eight. So uh, ralphpeterson08, that's LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. Instagram, everything is Ralph Peterson 08. And I've written three books. I have a fourth book coming out is on how to write up employees, which is a, one of the most challenging things most of my staff have trouble doing is, is disciplining staff. So that's why we're working on this new book called The Write-Up. But I have a book called Managing When No One Wants to Work, which is my first book. And that's leadership lessons from an executive housekeeper. Again, I am and a housekeeper. My second book is on dieting and weight loss. I have, I did lose 150 pounds. I was a hot mess for a while. I did weigh 350 pounds. It's a, so I was a little more than just overweight. I was obese. That's a fun word. And so I wrote a book called, I, I literally figured out how to win at the game of dieting. And it's all about managing, managing my situations treating it like it was my job. So I have a book called Adventures in Dietland, How to Win at the Game of Dieting. And then to the book that you're talking about that just came out in November, it's called Congratulations, Now Get Over Yourself, Confessions of a Management Development Coach. And that is literally the first thing I have to teach new managers is how to get over themselves because it is never, ever, ever about you. Even when you think it's about you, even when they're talking about you, it's never about you. <laughs> That's great. R Ralph, it's been such a, I, I, like I said earlier in the podcast, I love when we get to hang out. I love that uh, we, we get to hang out in front of people now and they get to hear your wisdom and, and, and get your energy. So I really appreciate having you on the show. I appreciate you having me on the show. It's been a lot of fun. Great. And thank you, Fueling Deals listeners, for tuning in. Remember, there's only one difference between companies that grow inorganically and those that don't. And it's unrelated to size, 
amount of capital, or any other factor, other than that the owners and executives of companies that do deals make a decision to do deals, and then they take action. Well, it's time to refuel. So until next week, Corey Kupfer signing out. Thank you again for tuning in. Be sure to leave Fueling Deals a rating and review on iTunes and Google. Check out all our episodes at fuelingdeals.com to find out more resources to accelerate your business growth.